Hey guys, this is the Mosaic Podcast, and I want to welcome you. But I want to let you know that MSC just released a new album called Heaven. Seven brand new songs that express the heart of our community, our heart of worship, and are going to absolutely inspire you and make an impact on your life. Mosaic MSC, Heaven. I love Christmas. How about you guys? We're just going to dive right into this Christmas season because... It's, one, it's a tricky time because there's so many different stories that are interwoven into this experience. Last night, my, my wife Kim and her team hosted around 200 people, most of them who were refugees from Syria and the Middle East. Most of them, many of them Muslims, who were experiencing community and friendship and family created by people who follow Jesus. And it was such an interesting interaction this time where all these Muslim families were coming and they're hearing the story of Jesus for the first time. And if it wasn't confusing enough, after we explained the story of Jesus, they had a Santa Claus. <laughs> and so after Jesus, we had Santa Claus and all the children were far more excited about Santa Claus. And, and there was a lot more possibility there and uh, of potential gifts coming soon. And I did see one American child crying when they saw Santa Claus, but all the Muslim children just ran. They were just so excited. It was their first time. And I thought, this is going to be so interesting to, to unwind this, because probably for them, they've never seen Jesus in the Bible, and they've never seen Santa Claus in the Bible, and they have no idea which one's actually in the Bible. <laughs> and so sometimes what happens is, is that these, these beautiful stories become myths and fables and it can almost be disconnected from history and from reality. And have you ever taken some time and read the scriptures and realized that a lot of it is really uninteresting? You clearly have never read the Bible, okay? Because if you've read the Bible, you know that there are huge sections of the Bible that are uninteresting. And we have to pretend they're interesting because they're supposed to love it all. But it's not all interesting. A lot of it feels really mundane. Some of it, you're, you're like, really? Of all the things you had to say, God, this was what you picked. And, and, and that's why I think even with the Gospels, why we tend to like John more than Luke. I mean, John is an artist writing in the Bible. John, is, John would have lived in Silver Lake or Los Feliz. You know, John would have gone to Venice. Long live Venice. John, John, John is an artist... Creative and unemployed. Absolutely. So in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And, and the, probably the other disciples were like, John, just, just write the way, it, the way it happened. He goes, no, it's not about how it happened. It's about how we experienced it. And then you have Luke. Luke's a doctor and a historian. He's like, no, it happened like this. These are the facts. Luke is the guy who lives in South Pasadena. Luke lives in Beverly Hills. Luke has a job. And he has a job actually connected to his education. Imagine that. He went and studied for what he was going to do. So he wants to write a clear, precise, historical account. He's not trying to move you or inspire you. He's trying to inform you and educate you. Which is why I'm going to read out of Luke. I'm going to read seven verses that if you didn't understand the context or know any of the surroundings, would be seven of the most mundane and boring verses that you've ever read. 
But because you understand the implications and the backdrop of what is about to happen, these verses seem scintillating. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, it says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Aren't you glad to know that? I've always wondered what happened to Quirinius. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Are you you just absolutely moved? I don't know. It's it's one of those hair-raising, goosebumpy moments. Wow. A census was taken (laughs) thousands of years ago. And it goes on in verse 5. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Oh, plot twist. (laughs) And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. We're just going to stop there. Because this is one small slice of human history. And in these seven verses, in this moment in time, in the entire story of humanity's story, nothing in these verses would strike you as unusual or significant or life-changing or historically significant. It's only those of us who understand there's more going on that understand that this moment is unwrapping heaven on earth. I think the reason that so much of the scripture are not as inspiring to us is that the Bible isn't written in mythology. It is written in history. And we keep wanting God to intervene in some other space other than real life. Because it's almost like we expect there to be like this, this spiritual life where there are miracles and there's something supernatural and something breathtaking. And then there's real life where we just want God to help us make it through the day. Want God to help us get a job and, 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 and put food on the table and have some sense of direction in life. But the two don't really interconnect. See, and what I want us to realize is that the coming of Jesus into human history is actually a shift in our understanding of reality. See, I think a lot of us think that that there's heaven and then there's earth. And if you believe in heaven, you might say, well, heaven is on the other side of this life. Heaven is like a door that you pass through when you die. And now you go from earth to heaven because you've gone from life to afterlife. Or maybe sometimes you think of of heaven is up there somewhere and earth down here somewhere. And so there's this great divide between heaven and earth. But I want you to realize that what Jesus shows us by this almost incredulous declaration that God has stepped into human history is that there is not a wall between earth and heaven. There's not a wall between heaven and earth. It's just a veil. And we are unaware that on the other side of this veil, there's the heaven we all long for. And what the scriptures actually tell us is that when Jesus was crucified, that in the temple, the veil was torn from top to bottom. It was torn from heaven to earth. 
And the wall that we saw that divided us between earth and heaven has now been divided. And now you can choose to have heaven on earth. Because I love the words that MSC wrote in their album, Heaven. That heaven is where you are. Declaring that to God. That where God is, heaven is. In fact, if God were not in heaven, there wouldn't be heaven. And wherever God is, heaven is unleashed. And so when God stepped into human history and walked among us, heaven crashed into time and space and forever toward the divide. But what I want to focus on just for a few moments is Joseph. I think Joseph is really underappreciated. Everybody appreciates Mary. In fact, around the world, people worship or venerate Mary. But no one really talks about Joseph. In fact, the way that Luke writes about Joseph is not that inspiring. The the two words that strike me are really right in the middle in verse 4. So, Joseph. That's Joseph's story. So, Joseph. See, I want us to focus on Joseph because a lot of us want God to interact in our life as if we're married. We want to have a virgin birth. We want, I don't. I just want to be straight up and clear. I don't. But we want God to do something so supernatural, so miraculous, so undeniable that we're like, wow, this is God showing up. We want to be on that side of the story. We want to be the Mary side of the story. We don't want to be the, the so Joseph. What does Joseph do? I mean, really, what, what significant thing is attributed to Joseph? He was there. I mean, we have two children that Kim gave birth to, and I was there. <laughs> she put in all the work, but I was there. But if their life depended on me being able to give birth, they would not be here. <laughs> Joseph was just there. So, Joseph. In fact, we don't know anything about Joseph's life before. We don't really know anything about Joseph's life after. And yet somehow God chose this individual to be the caretaker of Jesus when he was most vulnerable. I mean, imagine God who's all-powerful and all-knowing stepping into human history in the form of an infant being powerless and innocent. Not being able to feed himself or care for himself And have to choose one human being on the entire planet that he could entrust his son to. Mary was going to be wherever Jesus was going to be born. Because she was carrying Jesus. So Jesus was going to be born wherever Mary decided to be. But Joseph could have missed the most significant moment in human history. For Joseph to be where the Savior of the world would be born, would require of him certain choices. And that's what I want to talk about just for a few moments. How can you be where God will show up in your life so that you can experience heaven on earth? So to begin with, you have to be at the right place. Just say that with me. Right place. 
See, if you want to experience heaven on earth, you need to be at the right place. And, and that's why Luke tells this story, as scintillating as it is. His entire story is not about God, it seems. His entire story is about the human history. In those days, Caesar Augustus. What does Caesar have to do with Jesus? In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. If you had talked to any Israelite in that time and asked them, do you think God is using the Roman Empire to write the pages of human history? They would have said, there's no way God would be using the Roman Empire. God only uses Israel. Rome is in the way of what God's trying to do in the world. But Luke is writing the story differently. See, he's saying, you think the Roman Empire is in the way of what God is trying to do in human history. I want you to know that the Roman Empire is just a pawn in God's game. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, Caesar thought it was because he needed more money. Because, see, that census is taken so they can know how much you're actually bringing in, so they can know how much the Roman Empire can take from you. More taxes. And that was Caesar's intention, but it was not God's intention. God used the intention of an empire to actually fulfill his purpose in human history. He was on to say this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Who cares? That Quirinius was governor of Syria. Who cares? It was the first census under Quirinius, the governor of Syria. But Luke wants you to know, this is not mythology. This is history. This actually took place in time and space. Which I think is part of the problem. See, I think a lot of us, we keep waiting for God out there in the spectacular. We keep missing God in the everyday. See, God works in times and places where Roman empires rule. And Syrian kings take censuses. And everyone is inconvenienced. It says, and everyone went to their own town to register. That's why Joseph had to go. So Joseph. So Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So Joseph goes. Now, it, it might have seemed to Joseph that his whole life was out of control. Have you ever felt like every, everything else is shaping your life except for you? Have you ever felt like there's just these unseen forces that, that are controlling your future, that, that they're blocking your destiny? Have you ever felt like everyone's getting in the way of you? See, I think we all have our, our Roman empires that, that we feel like are standing between us and our destiny. And we get angry with God. And if you pray and say, God, do something. I want to be where you are. And then God starts moving your entire life. You're going, why are you doing this? You see, I, to get to the right place, you have to be willing to allow some changes in your life. And what I've learned over a lifetime is that everyone loves to change other people. We all love to bring change. None of us like to be changed. And what really upsets us is when someone starts trying to change us and they try to change our lives, they change our routine, they try to change what we've actually created. And if you think you get irritated, anybody get irritated with someone who changes things without permission? 
There you go. Your time's up. How much more do we get angry with God when he's not explaining why our entire life is being turned upside down and we don't know that God is bringing the change that we long for? You see, I, I think the reality is that we pray and ask God to change our lives. But we don't want God to change us. And there is not a single change in your life that God can bring if you don't allow him to change you. So Joseph goes on a long trek. He has to be at the right place. On November 28th, I'm not sure where Kim and I were, but we were driving home together. It was late one night. And you ever been sort of post-dinner, but you didn't eat dinner? So you thought, I'm not going to eat dinner. Then you get hungry and you think, oh... Let's go ahead and eat late. And it's just me and Kim and, and, and our kids didn't know what we were doing. So we decided to eat pizza. No guilt, no shame. I said, I, I suggested several things. I think the, the first two or three things were healthy and they were vetoed. And so I said, how about pizza? And she goes, yes, pizza. And we were, we were at a gas station because we were driving her car. And of course, when we got in her car, she goes, I don't have any gas. Which is why my wife usually says to me, honey, do you want to take my car? Because it's empty and I can fill it up as we travel. And so we're, we're trying to get to the gas station. We're afraid we're going to run out of gas. We get to the gas station and then we decide to get pizza. And so we order pizza. But we're having a dilemma because where do we get pizza? Because I love pizza. And but there, there's this place that I heard about that was really good, but we would never eat there because, you know, we love Jesus. And that place is called... Lucifer's. And, and, and we, we, we couldn't eat at, at Lucifer's because my wife's like, I'm not going to eat a place called Lucifer's. I'm like, yeah, but honey, I've heard they have great pizza because I'm never going to eat there. So we've been living here all these years and we just drive by there. But we never eat there. But, but on my birthday, right before I went to the airport, some of our less spiritual leaders here... Went and bought all these boxes of pizza. And I, 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 had, I said, I'm going to grab a slice before I go. And I put a slice in my mouth and then I saw the box. I said, <laughs> Lucifer. It tasted so good. And, uh, and then, and just like in the beginning, I said, honey, take a bite. And, uh, and, and she did, and we fell in love. And so we're at this gas station getting gas, and I said, where do you want to get pizzas, pizza from? And, and she looked at me, and I looked at her, and we both knew. We both knew, and I, and I, I said, no one will know, no one will know. And so we, we called the Lucifer's, and, and uh, we ordered a pizza, and, then we, and they said it would take 20 minutes. So we were driving, we were about to drive to Lucifer's place, and, uh, which sounds terrible, and, uh, but we were not planning to stay. And, uh, and while I'm getting gas, there's somebody on the other side of the gas island, and, and then this guy goes, excuse me, can you help me? And, and I, I, I said, uh, sure, what's wrong? He goes, I can't, I can't make the card work. So I, I looked at the card and put it in, and... 
and it wouldn't work. And, and then I said, oh, I need your zip code. And he goes, I don't know the zip code. It's not my card. I said, oh, that's, that's not good. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, what's going on? And he said, no, no, you see, we're, we're, from, we're from Cairo, Egypt. And, and they spoke with an accent. And, and I met his wife. She was sitting in the car. And he goes, we're, we came to see a friend. We're only here for a week. He lent us his car and his credit card, but we don't know how to use his credit card. And we can't get gas. We're out of gas. And we have to drive all the way back to Orange County. And, and I, I said, it's, here, it's okay. And I, I took my credit card. And they didn't realize what I was doing. And I just put my credit card in and said, okay, fill it up. And they go, what? I said, just fill it up. You're, gonna, you're going to Orange County. You're going to need a lot of gas. And uh, <laughs> it's in another world. And so you need to fill up. And, uh, and, and he goes, oh, no, no, you can't do that. You can't, you can't, you can't buy me gas. And I said, no, it's okay. And, and, well, we, and I, but you need to fill it up. And he just kept trying to stop it. I said, no, just keep filling it up. And so we're having this great conversation. And while well, he's filling up with gas, and I find out his name is Minna, his wife's name is Maria, and, and they're from Cairo, and, and we're having this beautiful talk, and, and they're wondering, why would I do this? I said, it, it, no, it's okay, because you see, this is, this is what Jesus would do. See, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm just trying to do what he would do right before I go to Lucifer's. And, and, uh, and, <laughs> and I, I gave him my information. It was so beautiful that they, they sent me a text just like an hour later saying, thank you so much, and we would love for you to visit us in Cairo, and pray that God would bless you. And, 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 and it really occurred to me that I was sitting at that gas station, and I thought, oh, man, I have all this time to waste. Because we can't go home. We have to wait 20 minutes for the pizza. But you see, I think a lot of times we want to be at the right place. But we want to be there for us, not for someone else. And I, I wonder what would happen in our lives if, if we realize that heaven on earth doesn't happen when you're in the right place for you, but you're in the right place for someone else. See, because Bethlehem wasn't the right place for Joseph. Bethlehem was the right place for Mary. And Bethlehem was the right place for Jesus. And Bethlehem was the right place so that all the prophets could be fulfilled and all the law, so that everyone would know that God has stepped into human history. See, Bethlehem was a part of the way God would prove to humanity that everything he said before Jesus came was being fulfilled when Jesus came. And so what Joseph needed to do is he needed to be at the right place, not for himself, but for us. But you don't need to just be at the right place. You have to be there at the right time. It says, he went there to register Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. That's a, that's a little disturbing. She's expecting a child. You can say, okay, she could be five weeks, or she could be nine months. But he goes on to say, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. So we know she was ripe. She was ready to roll. She was ready to give birth to that baby. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. Now, not a lot of you have had babies, or, or maybe even been in a room, but it's incredibly disturbing. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievably painful, and, and, and in fact, when, when Kim was giving birth to Aaron, I, I was freaking out, because that was our first time. And when they gave her that epidural, I asked them, where's mine? <laughs> because I, I wanted to be numb as well. And, and, and she, was like, she was like, get me that epidural. See, all, the, all, the, all, you, all you who are going to do natural childbirth... You're just like, you're awesome. But frankly, I don't understand how the human race survived until there were, there were epidurals. I mean, how did women actually have babies? Or at least have two? I don't understand how any woman could have a baby without any medication and say, oh, let's have another one. <laughs> I mean, labor should just be 
all we need for natural birth control. You're never touching me again. I mean, I think that... And I learned a long time ago because when I was a young man, unwise and foolish in my ways, I might have once or twice talked to a woman and said, oh, you're having a baby. And they were not. And so I learned very early, you never say that. You, and, and, if, and, and, and then a few times I said that, and they were, and they were still offended. Like, but I'm only 20 weeks. How can you tell? Glow. It's all glow. And so th- th- this morning I-, I was over in South Pasadena. I saw an old friend of mine, Don, and, and I-, I-, I forgot myself. And I looked at her and I said, I didn't know you are having a baby. And-, and then the moment I said it, I just, I just paralyzed. I-, I thought, oh, God, please. Like, make her pregnant right now if she's not pregnant. <laughs> and, <I just> like, <laughs> and, <laughs> and she said, I am having a baby. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm so grateful. <laughs> then she said, but you're right. You shouldn't ask that or say that or think like you know it. Because I, I, what I do, whenever I see a woman that's pregnant, I just look right at her eyes. <laughs> I never notice. I say, how are you doing? Great. Anything happening in your life? You know? <laughs> Anything new? Any changes coming your way? Nothing. And if she doesn't say she's pregnant, I never say a thing. And then, and I've learned, I've learned. I don't care if she's 13 months pregnant. When, when she looks at me and says, oh, I'm about to have a baby, I'll go, really? I would have never, no, it's amazing. It's like, wow, I'm glad you told me. And, but when, when, like, when a woman is nine, 10 months pregnant, you don't put her on a donkey. You just do not put her on a donkey to take a long trip. She's going to be miserable the whole way and make you miserable the whole way. So I don't know if she would have had the baby without the trip. But I can tell you the trip made certain she was going to have a baby. Can you imagine having to take this trip to take the senses with a woman about to have a baby? She was expecting a child. And when they got there, they had this baby. Now, it's the timing that's extraordinary. See, I I think this would have been a moment Joseph would have said, God, what are you thinking? I mean, I'm in the middle of this chaos, in the middle of this mess. I don't even want to be in the middle of this. And now I have to take a trip and I have to take her with me. The timing is completely wrong. Have you ever felt like God is completely off in his timing with your life? God, you just keep disrupting my life. You keep messing up my plans. You don't get the rhythm that I'm in. See, I I think that the reality is, if you want to experience heaven on earth, get ready to have your life disrupted by God. Because you're going to have to get to the right place at the right time. And the right time almost always feels like the wrong time. Because if... It were easy to get there. Everyone would be there. And while they were there, the time came. The time came. The time came for the baby to be born. 
And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. He wasn't just at the right place. He was at the right place at the right time. If he had gotten there just a little too early, it wouldn't have happened, or too late, he would have missed it completely. Yesterday, I uh, went with Kim. We were supposed to have this event at our house with a couple of hundred uh, Muslim refugees. But we got rained out. Our house was just a swamp, and so we had to find another place. And there were just so many people, we could have never fit them in our house anyway. And I met this couple, and they were just so beautiful and so intelligent. And his name was Mohi, and his wife's name was Medisa. And he started telling me how they're, they're refugees from the Middle East, and how their whole world was disrupted, and, and their lives were in turmoil. And he kept saying, we wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for you guys, and we wouldn't even be alive if it wasn't for you guys. And then he said, when your wife Kim and Pastor David Arcos just kept showing up, and they came to court when we had to go to court to see if we were, would be allowed to stay in this country. And, and those court dates were not just simply about their amnesty. It wasn't just about the opportunity to stay in this country. If they had to go back, they would have lost their lives. Because David and Kim decided to be at the right place at the right time. And I can tell you, it was not the right time for them. See, it wasn't the right time for Kim, because I remember we had to come back early from vacation. And we were a little frustrated with her. Honey, we're going on vacation. We don't get to do this very often. And she was like, I have to be there for them. And David, he's a pretty busy guy. He's a husband and a dad, and he has all kinds of responsibilities. But there he is in court. See, and someone looking from the outside might think, oh, these people have all the time in the world. But they don't. They have the same amount of time that you do. But they were at the right place at the right time for them because heaven on earth is not about what God ushers in for us. When David and Kim were there, they knew that the right place at the right time was about someone else who desperately needed to know that God was with them. I think that so much of our spirituality is incredibly narcissistic. God, what are you going to do for me? God, do something awesome with me. God, affirm my value, prove my significance. Let everyone know my importance. So, Joseph, are you willing to be a so Joseph for the benefit of being where God enters into human history? See, I think a lot of us would rather be famous and known throughout the world than to actually be present when God is changing the world. So you have to decide. But how do you get to the right place at the right time? You want to know how? Because wouldn't it be terrible? Oh, by the way, you know where you're at right now? Mosaic. Latitude, 34.101602. Longitude, negative 118.34579. This is where you're at right now. Now, what about if you're at 34.101602, negative 118.34579, but God was moving at 35 and 115? What, 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 would it be a tragedy if you could look back on your life and realize you were just 
a few decimals away from heaven on earth. And Jesus would say to you, you're near the kingdom, but you're not in. Heaven was waiting to be ushered in. And you thought there was a wall between you and God. It was just a veil. But you didn't step to it and tear it apart and enter in. To be at the right place at the right time, you have to be the right person. So Joseph. Joseph performed no miracles. We have no record of Joseph. Joseph did nothing awesome. <laughs> Isn't that the life you want? What, what On your tombstone. So, <laughs> Joseph. You say, well, you know, he didn't have any talent. There was no unique giftings. There were, there were no miracles. There, were, there was nothing significant. There was nothing extraordinary. I can't remember one thing he ever did that was marked by who he was. I mean, he really didn't do anything. He was just so Joseph. But, but so Joseph was the one that God trusted to hold God when he was powerless in his arms and protect him. So Joseph was the one that God trusted to make sure he was fed and cared for and raised. So Joseph was the one that God chose to protect Mary and Jesus when they were defenseless. So Joseph was the one who had to rush out of Bethlehem into Egypt as a refugee and find a way to keep his family alive. So Joseph was the one that God used to raise up Jesus to give him the character that would express the character of God. It was so Joseph that God used to prepare Jesus to be the Savior of the world. And there's one little unique word here. It says that he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, which means he was not married to her. And she was not yet married to him. Who was pledged to be married to him. Was expecting a child. I I know we know the story. But you have to feel for Joseph. If your fiance comes and says I'm pregnant. But you have nothing to worry about. Because it was God. (laughs) You go well God bless you. You know. I'll let God marry you. I'll let God take care of you. And Joseph was such an honorable person that even in what he thought was her shame, he did not want to shame her. And protected her. I'm amazed how many people love catching other people in their shame. They just love social media because it's a way to talk about other people. Let me tell you, if that's you, you can be at the right place at the right time and still be the wrong person. See, Joseph was a man of character. And of all the people on this planet, God chose this one person to be the caretaker of God so God could take care of all of us. You want to know what Joseph looked like? Just look at his son that he raised on behalf of God. He was pledged. Somehow God knew that this man, when he gave his word, would never break it. Is that you? Have you ever given your word and then you found it was harder to keep than you thought? 
And so you thought, well, I didn't know it was this hard, so I can break it. Has it ever occurred to you that a part of keeping your word is so that God can not only get you to the right place at the right time, but to make you the right person? And as he forges your character, he knows he can trust you with heaven on earth. It will never be about your talent. It won't be about your intelligence or your education. See, if you miss what God created you to do, if you miss on the life God created you to live, if you never step into the fullness of heaven on earth in your life, it won't be because of the deficit of your talent or gifting or intelligence or education. The only ceiling on your life that will limit what God could do in you is the ceiling of your character. And if you will build your character... There is no limit to how high God will build your life. So here you are. I don't know the exact decimal of the latitude and longitude of the small space on this planet that you are inhabiting right now. But I do know this. You are at the right place at the right time. And Jesus wants to make you the right person. He wants to bring the kind of change inside of you and me that we cannot bring for ourselves. We all sense it, don't we? We all, we all sense it, that there's something inside of us that's missing. When we see just a small glimpse of what our lives could be, we all feel this overwhelming sense of inadequacy. I don't know who Joseph was. I just know he's so Joseph. He was so Joseph that God trusted him with perhaps the most significant moment in human history. Maybe God will never give you fame. Maybe the, the goals and dreams that you have are not the ones that God has for you. But I do want you to know something. If you will trust Jesus with your life, if you'll step beyond the veil and cross that line of faith and trust Jesus with your future, with your dreams, with your relationships, with you, you will experience heaven on earth in such a way that you will come to the end of your life and you will know, I'm not going through a door from earth to heaven there was never a wall between earth and heaven. There was just a thin veil that I was too blind to see. But when I trusted Jesus with my life, he tore the veil in half. And there's heaven inside of me. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received. Allow it to go deeply into your soul. To allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic, to go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation, to become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you.